Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Isaac Roybal. Isaac, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, first off, Kamala, thanks for, for having me. I'm really excited about this. So I am a marketing leader. Currently, I run product marketing at a startup. And I have spent most of my time in the startup industry over the last 10 years. However, I spent the first 10 years in engineering and then moved over to product management and marketing at Microsoft. I always thought that was a really interesting story. And it really ties into our topic today, which is mentorship and why it's so critical for people to participate. So a bit of a loaded question, but why is mentorship so critical to career growth? Yeah, it, it is absolutely critical because I think there's a lot of unwritten rules when you're navigating your career. And a career is not a linear path. It is a scavenger hunt is the way I like to put it because sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward. Mm-hmm. And mentors help guide you along the way. They give you insight and context into some of those unwritten rules that you don't see in a book you know, or you read up on it or see a blog. And so I've been very fortunate to have some fantastic mentors that have helped me navigate my career. Also from a a kind of a career change perspective, not just from going from engineering and then going to product management and then to product marketing and then becoming a marketing leader. Those mentors have really helped shape and guide my career overall. And I think part of that too, at least from what I've experienced is our perception of reality is really subjective. And we don't always identify our weak points accurately. And it's really helpful to have a third party who's more neutral, be able to tell us which areas we need to work on, which areas we're strong in, because we need to hear that too. And that's literally why they're called blind spots, right? And yeah, yeah you, you kind of feel like, hey, here are my strengths. Here's why I deserve to go to this next level or this next role or get on this, or get this new responsibility. And sometimes you need somebody to give you that kind of cold dose of reality to say, hey, you're strong in all these areas, but you really need to beef up, you know, area A, B, and C to really help you get to that next level. Absolutely. So where do you recommend, or how did you go about finding a mentor? Let's talk through that story. So really I found them organically. Sometimes I was very fortunate to have them come into my life in some shape, form, or fashion, whether they were a manager or you know someone who was uh, referred uh, by that manager. So sometimes it was very fortunate and, and just a lucky bounce, if you will. But other times I was just tenacious. I was very curious about the next role that I wanted or how does this specific industry work or this specific discipline So I just started cold emailing people and saying, hey, I'm Isaac, I'm looking at moving into this space. I would love to pick your brain and talk to you about that and how you navigated your career because it's all about stories and the story arc. You know, you hear stuff about titans of industry like, you know, Henry Ford. I'm exaggerating here, but, you know, Henry Ford was born in a barn and became this industry, you know, titan overall. Well, a lot of things happened in between those two points and understanding that journey and and how they navigated it is extremely important, but also the mistakes they made across the, you know, across that journey. And so point is, I wanted to know those mistakes. I didn't want to repeat them. So just putting myself out there and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm extremely curious about this. You have a lot of knowledge. Let's talk. So that really helped me out. 
Lastly, I think my my time at Microsoft, I was there for 10 years. You know, you have some of the, the, the best people on planet Earth, some of the smartest people on planet Earth that work there. And again, just putting myself out there and navigating the internal directory and saying, hey, this person is doing something really cool that I like, and I would love to talk to you about it. And just putting myself out there and not, not being afraid sometimes to look like a fool and say, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'd love to talk to you. And I think taking that approach, they were more than willing to talk to me about it and say, hey, yeah, I want to help this person out. Yeah, the honesty factor is definitely important and and just being real about where you are. But the longer I've been in corporate, the more I've realized it's not what you know, it's who you know. And not everybody is in the position to have that network. Like I, I started working in an office at the age of 14. I don't think it was legal, but I was answering phones all the same. And even from that early age, I was exposed to different people who were willing to share their knowledge. Not everybody has that environment that they grow up in. So where do you recommend, let's say somebody's the first person to graduate from college, or maybe they haven't gone to college and and they just want to start somewhere. Where do you recommend that people start? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's two ways to start. You know, number one, again, is having that curiosity and just putting yourself out there. When I was growing up in my career, if you will, LinkedIn didn't exist, right? Those kind of tools didn't exist. So I think there's so much opportunity to use technology to be able to connect to these mentors and going out and finding them on, on um, you know, tools like LinkedIn. There's a lot of mentor organizations out there today as well. And the fact that the web is out there and help you find them easily and, and quickly is another way as well. And lastly, I've been seeing this really interesting trend over like the last four years where there's a lot of apps that are out there today that help facilitate that mentorship. And it's almost like a marketplace where these mentors join and they say, hey, I'm open to help out folks. And you can join on that other side and say, I'm looking for help and they're willing to help you on the other side. So there's literally probably 50 ways to go about finding these folks today, even getting involved in some startup incubators or going to some kind of startup meetup groups is really interesting. And and the reason is these startup founders and these vets have so much practical knowledge about how to guide your career because they've literally had to build a business from the ground up. And so you can say, hey, how did you do that? What, what kind of skills do you need to do to, to accomplish these things? And then that helps you build on to say, maybe it's not a startup, but when you go to a corporate job, you can actually start to navigate in a very practical way. So those are some of the ways I recommend going out and, and finding these uh, great mentors today. You know, and I would also add, there's also been a trend lately where communities have been forming for different disciplines. And that's a great way to meet people with a ton of experience who are really eager to share what they know, which is fantastic. And like you said, there's a lot of organizations out there. For example, I volunteer for Urban Impact, and it's just a fantastic way to get exposure to a network you wouldn't necessarily have access to otherwise. Yeah, that that's spot on. I mean, I think if you're, say, an engineer and you want to move into marketing and getting involved in those communities is key. You know, you look at basically a ton of different new apps that are out there. They're all community-centric, right? They're mm-hmm. trying to build something around disciplines or subject matter expertise and getting involved in them early and raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm super curious. I want to learn from all of you. It goes a long way. Yeah. And even lately, people have been starting Slack happy hours at work and that sort of thing, even though they're not 
in person or over Zoom, say yes to as many opportunities as you can early in your career to make a connection with somebody because ultimately that's what mentorship is about connecting to the right people, I suppose. But No, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, put yourself out there. Sometimes it feels really uncomfortable, but don't be shy about it. You know, And again, starting with, hey, I'm curious and start from there, but don't be afraid to put yourself out there and, and, uh, and go after what you want to do. So we were talking about a story and I would love for you to share it with the listeners if you're willing to. So let's talk about the email that changed your life. Yeah, I yeah, the the career path that I've had today started with a specific email. I was at Microsoft. I was a low-level engineer there, been there maybe a couple of years. 2004 was the particular year. And I got my degree in business and and you know, understood the marketing side of it, but my practical knowledge was in the engineering side. So I always looked at things with those two kind of contexts married together. And so there I was, I was, you know, an IT person focused on systems engineering and building these massive scale infrastructures at Microsoft. Well, I kept looking at Microsoft's marketing and I said, I, I work here. I've banked my career on Microsoft technology and I don't even get the marketing. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I could have just said, you know, whatever, whatever, and moved on. But I was like, Hey, I've got 30 shares in the company. I'm a stockholder. I'm going to voice my opinion. And so I wrote this email one night and I titled it Microsoft's Geek Image. And I basically set up the problem. And I said, you know, here's what the problem is. Here's what happens if we don't fix it. And here's how we fix it. And I just fired it off to the CEO at the time, Steve Ballmer. And I said, hey, what do I got to lose? Right. I just said, I want my voice heard. And I sent that out. And I kind of forgot about it. I got the, you know, kind of the point off my chest and moved on. Well, about a week later, there is an email sitting in my inbox that says, reply, Steve Ballmer, Microsoft Geek Image. And my heart skipped the beat for a second because I said, oh my God, am I going to get fired or what's <laughs> going to happen? So I open it up and Steve Ballmer has one line sentence. He goes, Isaac, I think this is a very good idea. And he CCs two other senior vice presidents that were involved in IT pro marketing and corporate marketing. He says, Mitch and Andy, we should consider this. And that was it. And I was like, wow, like my idea just went up to the head of Microsoft and it was heard and it was delegated. And again, I was on, I was on cloud nine. I was like, great, this is awesome. And then again, I forgot about it. Didn't worry about it. A month later, another email comes in from a very specific person. I'll never forget her, Christine Betts. She was the head of IT pro marketing at Microsoft at the time. And there's the title or the subject line that says forward, R-E-R-E-R-E-R-E, Microsoft's geek image. So that email had been passed around the company. And so I look at it and there's this massive thread of all of these executives discussing my idea. Anyway, long story short, Christine says, hey, a lot of discussion. I would love for you to come in and talk to my, my team about your idea. Awesome. I'm a low level you know, systems engineer at Microsoft at the time. I said, all right, let's, let's do it. And I present to these folks that you know, come from all these prestigious business schools around the country. And here I am you know, from a small state school in New Mexico. And I pitched my idea. And some were you know, impartial and others were very engaged. And so I picked up on those that were engaged and I followed up with them after the meeting. And I said, hey, I'm super interested in your world. 
I would love for you to mentor me and see how I can transition my career. So I proved that I had the curiosity. I proved that I had the initiative with the idea. So for them, it wasn't a big risk of getting some random person. Well, they mentored me for a year and I, they started connecting me to other folks within the, the company. And soon enough, I was able to land a job in the Windows Server team as a product manager and marketer. And all of a sudden, here I was, this low-level engineer, to suddenly owning a $120 million business at Microsoft. And it was just this insane journey for me. And of course, it was great at Microsoft because $120 million business is a rounding error for them. Yeah. And so it was this awesome way for me to cut my teeth. I didn't realize this at the time, but I was uh, Windows servers in the server and tools business. It was the fastest growing business within Microsoft beating Office and, and uh, Windows client. And I got a real world MBA there. Like I learned how to scale at billion dollar you know, levels. I got to take on some really interesting ground level initiatives like the private cloud initiative at Microsoft in 2008. There was nothing going on there. They literally said, hey, Gartner's talking about this. It seems like a trend. Here's a $2 million budget. Go figure it out. And it was like, oh my God. So going back, 2004, write this cold email to Steve Ballmer, get connected with these mentors. And all of a sudden my life changed. And since then I've been on this track of you know, really working at some of the biggest companies in the world, working at some of the most successful startups in the world. And it all happened because of, of one email and putting myself out there and continuing to learn and be curious and get some of these mentors that just saw the tenacity and the potential that I had, and they were willing to bank on me uh, to make it happen. And one of the reasons that I was so excited to have you on this show and talking about this topic is that you pay it forward and you walk your talk because I started out in operations and now I'm producing content for a bunch of different startups. And that wouldn't have happened if Isaac hadn't taken a risk on me as a copywriter and, and coming over to him and saying, you know, I have this background in operations. I know I can write, but I, I don't know much about marketing. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And segues into why people should consider taking the time to mentor. Yeah. Well, well first off, I'll talk about you know, helping you out. It's, it's pretty easy when you see, again, the curiosity and the tenacity of folks and you say, yeah, I want to help them you know, achieve these goals that they have, whether it's in the specific field or in a new field. And so you know, that was a slam dunk and easy to, to help you out on that for sure. Thank you. On the other side, you know, I think it's, it's critical in terms of the importance of mentorship and paying it forward. You know, I, I've had a very unorthodox career path overall. Again, starting, you know, state school in New Mexico to, you know, starting at Microsoft to, you know, to doing all these interesting things in a product marketing and, and, and marketing perspective. And so my point is, what's, what's the point of being successful or, or, you know, having this journey if you don't help others understand how to, how to navigate that as well? I kind of look at my career, I was hacking through the jungle a little bit, trying to find my path. And there was other folks that were saying, hey, maybe you should go a little bit north by Northwest instead of true north, right? So they helped guide me on that. So my point is I want to help others as they're hacking through the jungle or, hey, even show them the path that's there. And so for me, that's why paying it forward is so important. I, I know how hard it was for me to make these changes. 
And I don't want anybody to really, you know, have to go through that themselves. And the way I look at it is everybody says, well, I can't wait to get to the top. Well, what's the point of getting to the top if there's nobody there to enjoy it with? So I'd rather get to the top and help people up and so we can celebrate together. So that, that's kind of my philosophy on, on the mentorship piece. And that, that's why I really do it. Yeah, and this is going to get a little woo-woo because like, I kind of am a little bit, but I, I feel like one of the most fulfilling things as a human is to walk alongside and serve others. And there's nothing more rewarding, speaking from experience, having elevated somebody to the point where they can turn around and do the same thing for somebody else. And that impact just keeps rippling out. And that's just a really cool thing to think of as a human who's on here on this planet for a limited amount of time that we can have so much reach. So totally agree with you. And if you're not going to do it out of the kindness of your heart, just keep in mind, you never know who you're going to be working with next or for next. And I've worked with people who were my peers and then started their own company and you get pulled along with them. So it's always a good thing to pay it forward. You're absolutely right. It's a key thing to do no matter what. And like you said, as long as you're not expecting something out of it, like that's, I never expect anything out of it. You know, it, it really uh, warms me up to see people get, you know, be successful no matter what um, they're doing and say, Hey, maybe I played a small part in that and helped them out and that they're going to pay it forward to somebody else. And, you know, we better society in a, in a, you know, maybe a very small way. It just feels like, Hey, I, I had an impact in the world in a positive way. Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Caliber Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. CaliberMind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more, without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with CaliberMind at CaliberMind.com. Something I want to stress people to keep in mind as they look for mentors is that it's like a referral, right? somebody's putting a lot of time and effort into something that's risky because if you're not displaying the right signals on your side, they don't have as much of an incentive to make that investment in you. So I really like that you drew out that it's essential that people are curious. I think it's also really important for people to build a case of why them and why this person is a good fit. Yeah, again, spot on. I, I think it's a lot like an interview in a way to get these mentors, right? They're they're looking at you to say, why should I invest my most valuable asset, which is my time? And so you got to make that case. It's almost saying, here's why you should hire me and here's why you should mentor me, right? And so, you know, coming again, I think the key word we keep using here is curiosity. Like, here's why I'm curious. Here's why I'm passionate. Here's how, here's why I'm going to take the advice you're giving me and apply it in a practical way as I move forward on that. And, and so you, you got to be able to, to push that and, and sell yourself. 
Now, one other thing I don't think we've talked about is the inverse relationship about, you know, how if you're a mentee looking for a mentor, how to spot kind of bad mentors, because it's almost a dual, you know, it's a dual street there where you want to make sure you're getting great mentors as well. And let me say, I've had large number of fantastic mentors, but I've also had a couple of terrible ones too. And kind of cutting that quick, because there's some folks out there that I think mentor because it's all about them. They're, yeah. ma- they're, they're doing it to feel good about themselves and they want to show people how smart they are. Instead of saying, hey, I'm here to guide you and help you. They want to be the hero of the story, right? Mm-hmm. There's the storybook framework out there from a messaging perspective that I always love that says a corporation or a company or a product shouldn't be the hero of the story. It should be the guide and the customer is the hero and you're trying to take them from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing applies in mentorship. As a mentor, you should not be the hero of the story. You should not be the person that's saying, here's how great I am and here's all the things that I've done. And you just have somebody sitting across the table listening to you. You're the guide. The mentee is the hero and how you take them from point A to point B. So if you're a mentee, that's something I would say, you know, try to see that right up front and, and make sure that they're actually saying, how can I help you versus how can you just listen and, and, and see how much I beat my chest? Well, and absolutely agree. I would also add kind of take the temperature of other people's perception of this person in the marketplace, because you want to connect with somebody who's got very high EQ. Some mentors, they're not in it for them and they mean well, but they may set you down the wrong path because they can't read the entire situation. EQ is essential. I think that's such an underrated skill. And it's not necessarily one that you can teach. I think you have to experience things to get that EQ. And, and you know, I read books or I've seen books and I've read a few of them about how to establish your EQ. And I think it's kind of, instead of being very academic about it, it is very touchy-feely and reading a, a situation. And, you know, again, through my career path, I've had all of these different experiences, even growing up in New Mexico and you get, you know, different points of view and, and different people that you meet and, you know, going through the career path of different disciplines and trying to bring all that together and saying, here's the EQ about the situation and reading that. So you can understand the mentee's journey and, and their needs versus being very one track about it and saying, here's how I did it. You must follow these steps and you must get it done. Right. And I think it's more about here are options you have, or here's an example from my career, but I don't think maybe that doesn't apply to you uh, specifically, but maybe a nugget of that information will help you in your scavenger hunt, right. To find the next clue on what step you need to take. Yeah. And as a mentee seeking a mentor, it's really important that you don't let political viewpoints and other things like that get in the way of forming a partnership with somebody who can actually give you some insights that you're lacking. So sometimes people with different opinions, it's a good way to go because they're going to give you a perspective you don't have. So I would recommend, you know, going on LinkedIn, looking at the recommendations they have, seeing if they've been on any podcasts, looking at the articles they write, using kind of external things to gauge whether or not they're going to be a match and not just going solely based on their politics, their culture, those sorts of things. Or even just their title, right? Yeah. And and I think that's so interesting, especially when mentees start 
moving up in their career and become leaders. And I think this is a very important quality of a leader. We talked we talked about EQ, but having diverse points of view that have been taken in from others. Because when you're a leader and you're trying to make a decision, you could be very one-track minded again to say, well, this is my opinion, this is my point of view, and I'm going to make this decisive decision. However, I think really good leaders take in multiple points of view, or even over their careers, they have taken in multiple points of view. So they start to have a lot of information to start doing some pattern matching and they can see, ah, there's some trends or there's different points of view that I didn't consider and how this might affect this other group of, of people or customer base or whatever it might be. So I think it's very important when you start to think about that to say, oh, well, this person's a VP and they work at this company and that's the profile that I want to go after. Okay, well, what about a different you know, VP title, but in a different space? You know, Maybe there's one in engineering, but what about marketing or what about product? And that's been interesting for me on a career path is I've done engineering, I've done product, I've done marketing, I've done a little bit of sales. So when I come through, I have this broader view to say, here's how the rest of the machine works. So when I make a decision, I can understand the ripple effects from that point of view. So as you're getting mentors, having those points of view are just going to make you that much stronger when you become a leader. You know how the machine works, you understand the impact of your decisions and how they affect everyone else involved. Yeah, and even going beyond the business world and looking at linguistics experts and sociologists and different people who have like that broader lens can be so helpful in the career growth. Yeah, can I double click on that for a second? And, Absolutely. And kind of the linguistics and kind of the language piece. Especially um, for marketers, just throwing oh, that out there. <laughs> absolutely. Behavioral I, I mean, psychology. <laughs> every word matters, right? From a marketing perspective. And here's the interesting thing. There's the intent of words versus the interpretation of words, right? That's why we have lawyers. <laughs> they help mm -hmm. us distinguish those in a court of law. But even if you're doing marketing or you're communicating to somebody else, you could have the intent of something, what you're saying, even a specific word. And there's that thought bubble that pops up that says, here's what I mean by that. But the interpretation on the other side can mean something completely different. So I think going back to that, you know, kind of range of experience, you can understand, okay, here's the intent of my message, but here are the multiple kind of interpretations that can happen on, on the other side. And so I think that's a very important piece from just not only a, a marketing perspective, but also just from a basic communication perspective as you navigate your career as well. So point is broad experience helps you in that communication to land that, you know, intent versus interpretation of your message. 100%. Going back to, you know, the intent and interpretation of words, you know, the reason it's so important is it kind of comes back to conflict in a way. Conflict comes from misaligned expectations. That was uh, this phrase that I learned many years ago that I wish I would have known in my 20s, right? And again, that's setting that expectation through your words. But here's why it's important to set expectations. When you set expectations, you do that through process. So basically saying, here's some basic process because I'm going to do A, and that means then you're going to take the ball and do B. And so you're setting basic expectations. Well, then what process delivers is continuity overall. So everybody understands what they're doing. You can execute in a rhythm. And then when you have continuity, that's when scale happens, right? And really getting all those things together, that 
helps you build a company to be aligned from a go-to-market perspective and really have company growth. You know, even from a mentor-mentee perspective, right? You start to understand how to set those expectations. Hey, here's the process of how we're going to connect with each other, whether it's Zoom or in-person meetings. And then you get the continuity within the relationship that you have. And then once you have that process down, then it helps you scale and how you engage with other mentors as well. Isaac, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? You can find me on on LinkedIn, obviously just Isaac Royball on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter, Ike on the wire. So I-K-E, it's just easier than saying Isaac in a, in a whole long sentence there. And so, uh, so yeah, you can find me on those two places. Feel free to connect, reach out, and uh, you know, I'm willing to help out any way I can. And I also hear that you have a special project that relates very closely to this message. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So about four years ago, you know, I really wanted to figure out how I can give back and through mentorship and really helping folks expedite that process of finding mentors. So I created an app called Pro Minute. So really, hey, finding a pro, whether it's in athletics or business or, or anything in between and having short asynchronous conversations using short form video. So think about it like TikTok meets LinkedIn in a way. And so we've been at this, like I said, four years, we've been refining it's just been a side project to help folks out and and really drive from there so you know we're we're looking at getting a broader beta put out soon and then just getting it released out to to help the world and and kind of navigate their their careers in a quick simple and easy way so we're not taking up hours of time but you can do it in a quick minute or less awesome love the sounds of it and for those of you out there looking for more great content like this check out calibermind.com 